from days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Now make sure you say my name right. It's Latam. See, I talk about the things other people are scared to talk about, what they're afraid to say. When I walk into the building, you know what they whisper to each other? This is Robert Latow for BlackSportsOnline.com, and you're listening to the Ugly Truth Podcast. Why don't I tell you those pretty lies? I tell you the ugly truth about what's going on in the world of sports, entertainment, and viral news. We have a special interview today with WBC welterweight champion Sean Porter. As you know, Porter will be facing Earl the Truth Spence Jr. at Staples Center this Saturday. A mega fight. I definitely will be in attendance, me and Alexis. Uh, ringside, so we're going to give you all the play-by-play. Uh, if you're on BSO, you should be seeing all the articles uh, about the fight. Uh, big fan of Sean Porter because he doesn't duck anybody. Uh, he fights the best of the best. He's been in there basically with every top uh, welterweight besides uh, Bud Crawford, but that's just because Bud is with top rank and doesn't actually fight uh, anyone. Uh, but got a chance to talk to Sean uh, about you know, if people think uh, they're overlooking him a bit. You know, not many people are giving him a chance to win the fight. Uh, he's a big underdog, but, you know, I, I don't personally think he's going to win, but I think he's, he's going to put on a good show. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he surprised uh, some people. And if he keep, every Sean Porter fight uh, against top competition has been close. So I definitely wouldn't overlook him or underrate him. Uh, the first question uh, that I asked him was, considering his last fight uh, with Udonis Ugas, uh, where there were a, a good majority of people that thought uh, that he lost that fight, uh, there were others that thought he won, but, you know, he didn't look particularly good doing it because he kind of changed his style to a boxing style. I asked him, you know, is, could that be of an advantage to him? Because maybe people are underrating him. Maybe Earl Spence is underrating him because of his last performance. And could he use that? Uh, to his advantage. So that was kind of the first question that I asked him, and hear what, what he had to say. You know what? I actually did not read into that. I didn't, I didn't think about that. I, I you know, obviously I said that the people have said and think about the fight, being an underdog, so on and so forth, but I didn't uh, consider that was the case because of the way the fight with Udinsu uh, got played out. However, um, if that is the case, if they do expect me to come at them that way, then uh, we'll, we'll make some, some, some changes and we'll do what we have to do. Uh, I do think that not only is the world, uh, for the most part, at least <laughs> uh, some of the world, uh, underestimating me. I do feel that uh, Earl Spence is underestimating me as well. So let me ask you a question about that. You know, Earl talks about how when he, fight, he fought Mikey Garcia. Uh, that he fought a particular way because the media, you know, felt like he couldn't outbox him and things like that. And he's gotten credit, uh, you know, for that. But on the flip side of that, you know, I hear you and your father talk about how you fought Ugas, a particular, you know, type of way to show people your skill set. But you get criticized for it. Do you feel like that's a little uh, hypocritical uh, of some, you know, in the media and stuff? It's 100 percent hypocritical. However, people were expecting one thing. From from Errol and, and and Mikey, and they were expecting one thing from myself and and your Dennis. 
when they didn't get what they what they expected from from uh, the fight with Mikey and Arrow. However, they saw how dominant Mikey was and how he took excuse me how dominant Arrow was and how he took Mikey out of what we expected Mikey to do. They praise him for it, and it's completely understandable. You know what I mean? You know, anybody does, you know, that to anyone. It's, it really is. It's amazing, you know? Um, however, when it was, when it when it came to myself and, and, and your dentist, and I fought a different way, and it didn't seem to be as dominant of a performance or whatever, I think they, people, you know, that would, they, they felt slighted. They felt, they felt, uh, they were confused. And, um, and, you know, and, and they began to kind of, you know, criticize me. Uh, at the end of the day, I still have my belt, got the win, and, I, and I've moved on to a bigger, a bigger uh, fight. And um, it's a fight that I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm more than sure I'm ready for. Absolutely. So um, I was watching your, uh, your fight camps on, on, on uh, FS1, uh, very nicely done and everything. And, and I was checking out the dynamic uh, between you and your father and also you and Barry Hunter. Uh, you're one of the the few, I would say, top-level guys that really employ two high-level uh, trainers. Can you tell me what the advantages are of, you know, having Barry Hunter and your father and kind of what the differences are uh, between their training style and how all of that combined is going to help you uh, against um, Earl? Well, you know what? I don't, I've never worked with uh, Derek James. I don't know how Derek James is as a trainer. I haven't really paid attention to his training techniques, his style, or anything like that. Um, but I think, simply put, I have two Derrick James in my corner. If 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 anything, I've, obviously I feel like I got more than that in my corner. But if he feels that he has one great trainer, I have two great trainers. And uh, I think that the knowledge that's come from both Barry to my dad to myself, and and also the knowledge that's come from my dad to Barry and, and to myself. I think that um, it, it really is going to make for uh, a, a great fight, man. I think that our game plan is solid. I think that uh, our preparation it, it was solid, is solid. And uh, I, I'm looking at shocking the world, man. Uh, one thing that people talk about with Earl Spence is that his ability uh, to go to the body. Uh, but one thing that um, I always talk about for, for, for fighters that are good body punchers it goes both ways. You know, they don't necessarily like to be hit uh, to the body. I know you've talked about making him uncomfortable, uh, making him go to deep waters, things that he's never been to uh, before. Um, how important is that, you know, body work on both sides? You know, you get into his body and you be, being able to take uh, his punches uh, to break him down. Because a lot of fighters, when they do get broken, like we, we you know, and that's been talked about a lot in this fight, it comes from those body shots. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. I think, you know, it's 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 uh pivotal for us to get to his body and slow him down and break him down and, and take it take the pop off the punches, so on and so forth. And I think, you know, while doing that also being aware that you know, that that is something that he likes to do as well. And uh you know, be ready to take the step forward when when I have to and and take the step back when I have to. Um, in order to, you know, slow him down and, and, you know, stop him from doing the same. And, you know, I think that that's one thing that's missed in this fight is, you know, you, you have two fighters that are a lot alike. You know, we both like to control the range, the distance. We like to control the ring. We like to control the pace, the tempo. We like to be first, you know, so on and so forth. I think there are a lot of 
small things, small intricacies that people have overlooked. And you know, it's no fault of their own. No, but I'm 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 ready to prove everyone wrong. Um, your your common opponent um, is Kell Brook. So a lot of people uh, at times try to compare uh, those two fights, you know. But when you fought Kell Brook and when Spence fought Kell Brook, uh, it's two different stages of of, of his career. Uh, do you feel like people are maybe looking too much uh, into those two fights as far as a comparison? And what do you feel was the differences between the Kell Brook that you fought than the Kell Brook that you saw that fought Spence? No, I think that, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take a look at what's common in the fighters and you know, how those fighters handle those situations or whatever. I think that, um, I think that yeah, there, there were some, some things that were a little different in, in, in the Kell Brook camp uh, when he fought me compared to when he fought uh, Errol Spence. Um, taking nothing from Errol at all, I'll, I'll give Errol all the credit well because he really did. Not only uh, go over there and take that man's belt, but he broke him down and, and, and forced him to quit. Um, I think uh, you know that says a lot about Arrow as a fighter. You know, so I, I, again, man, I know what I'm up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone's reading into that too much. I think that 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 there, that there is something that you can take from that, seeing that, and um, you know, uh, I've even taken a look at it myself. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand that you know, this guy has willpower. And it's, and it's uh, he hasn't been in the ring with anyone else like that, you know, up until now. And I think that, you know, that's the difference in this fight. And that's a, that's a good point that you make because I know the one clear advantage that you have over Spence is that the level of competition uh, that you've been in the ring with. I mean, I, I looked at your fights against all of the other welterweights in the division that they would consider, you know, high level welterweights. Your resume. Uh, in my opinion, is better than pretty much anybody else. I mean, there's you fought the who's who of the division, and you normally fought them at their peak. Uh, do you? Do Let you me say this about yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Let me say about that. It's it's not a matter of the names because at the end of the day, if that guy I fought against didn't do what we've known him to do, then it's just another name. Uh, the guys that I fought when I fought them. Uh, all excellent fighters, all great fighters. Um, the one thing that you that that you have to realize that comes with fighting the names that I fought, there was adversity faced and 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 adversity that was overcame in every single one of those fights. Whether that was a win loss or a draw, there was some adversity that was faced, and 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 along with that adversity comes understanding, and and it becomes a learning lesson. Um, that's what Errol Spence has not had. He has not had to fight against any adversity, and he has—he really hasn't had very many lessons in the ring. And let me say this: in his defense, none of us want to ever learn those lessons. <laughs> we have it our way. We all have perfect records. We all all have perfect fights and perfect knockouts. You know. However, it will show up. It will become relevant. It, it does make a difference when you have had those adversities, those experiences, and you've lived through them and learned from them. Is, is that what makes you so confident? Because, you, you know, it's one thing I hear, you know, I've been covering boxing for a while and obviously you've been boxing all your life. You know, when someone is talking, but don't really believe, you know, what they're saying. I mean, it comes across with you that, you know, you 100 percent believe everything that you're saying. You're 100 percent confident. You're going in there feeling good. You seem relaxed. You seem happy. You seem upbeat. You just everything seems very calm and, and ready to go. 
Is it that adversity in dealing with so many different fighters, so many different styles, showing different ways of handling things? Does that help you when you step into into the ring when you know you have such a big challenge in front of you? One hundred percent, man. I t- I told my uh, team yesterday. We had a we had a talk yesterday, and I told them, and they and they already know about me. I don't say anything I don't mean. I don't say anything that's not in my heart. It's in my heart to beat Earl Spence. It's in my heart to dominate him and and shock the world. And I think that you know it, it comes off as confidence, but why why, why wouldn't it? You know, I really believe in myself, and I'm a very positive person. Uh, my dad told me yesterday that we we had the, the the best camp we've ever had, and you know, for for the whole entire team to collectively feel this way, and all have the same mindset, the same goal, and have everything that it takes to go after that goal. Uh, you know, we we really are looking to shock the world. So. Absolutely. So this is the last question I got for you, and then, then I'll let you go. At, at the first press conference, uh, you guys were kind of getting you know into it a little bit, and you talked about how uh, you know you have a, a huge fan base uh, as well, and they're going to come out in L.A., and you hope LeBron is going to be there. Uh, one of the things that you said that uh, Martin Lawrence uh, was going to come and, and, and show up and everything. Do you expect Martin, Marty Ma to be there, LeBron and others, and you know how – how happy are you and how excited you are to know how star-packed uh, this fight's going to be? That's the best part, man. The best part is uh, what, what everyone that's going to be there. The energy is going to be electric. Uh, I'll actually uh, text him now and see what's up. Uh, the last I spoke to uh, Martin and his team, they said, don't worry about us. Don't worry about getting us tickets. We'll make it happen. We know what it's like. And we just want you focused on the fight. Um, so I, I really haven't spoken to them too much. Um, actually put a text in to LeBron yesterday to get him to the fight. So uh, I'm definitely expecting uh, all the big names to be here. And uh, I expect it to be a lot of fun. And there you have it from Showtime, Sean Porter. He's definitely not lacking uh, confidence of going into the fight. I'll be very curious to see the game plan that him and his father and Barry Hunter come up with. Uh, hopefully we also get to see Martin Lawrence. <laughs> That's very important uh, as well. Um, you know, Spence is a formidable uh, challenge. And, you know, but Sean, you know, you know, he's not going to go in there and, and not put on a good performance. Um, you know, he's not going to give it his all. Uh, you know, he's not going to keep coming and, and, and to, the, to the final bell. You know, if he's going to go out, he's going to go out, you know, on his shield. And if, you know, he's able to get into those later rounds. And if he's had some success, uh, we have to see because you just you just never know what's going to happen in the fight. I mean, we saw what happened to Tyson Fury just, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. A big cut, you know, changed the whole perspective of the fight, had to fight a totally different way uh, to, to get that victory. You just you just never know in the fight when when guys are punching each other, a lot of different things can happen. So be sure. Uh, to check out the fight, buy the pay-per-view. It's Fox pay-per-view. Uh, if you're in L.A., uh, definitely go get a ticket. Uh, the, the undercard is great. Uh, be definitely worth your time either watching from home or, or in the arena as well. Uh, before I get out of here, uh, also going to give you a little bit of what I know about what's going on with Antonio Brown. Obviously, it's, it's been a little crazy the last week or so uh, with him. Uh, but, you know, here's what I know. A.B. had 11 days with the New England Patriots. Uh, They cut him um, about 10 minutes ago. He broke the news himself. 
so you can't don't all the people that say, oh, I broke the news via this, via that. No, it was Antonio Brown himself, of course, on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, that broke the news that he was being uh, cut uh, by the New England Patriots. Uh, not really surprising. Yeah, it's big news, but it's not surprising news considering everything that is going on and surrounding him and that's been surrounding him uh, for the last couple of weeks, last month or so. Uh, My job, though, is to kind of tell you what's going on behind the scenes, uh, what I'm hearing from my NFL sources. uh, So you kind of know the thought process of what went on in New England. Now, some of this stuff, like I said, mainstream media uh, won't talk about. Um, they won't explain, uh, they won't show both sides. Uh, basically the way the media works is when, you know, when they, they're like a shark, when they see blood in the water, uh, they go right for it. AB easy prey because he does a lot of stupid stuff. So this is not absolving him of the dumb stuff that he's done. Uh, the things that he's being accused of and things of that nature. Uh, a lot of if not all of this is self-inflicted uh, because of Antonio Brown's actions uh, over the past you know, years. The big difference now is all of this stuff is coming to light. Um, anyone that has covered Antonio Brown for the last couple of years knew a lot of these things were going on. Uh, I told you last week that a lot of the stuff that was in the SI article uh, had been covered by sites uh, like myself for years. It wasn't new information. I told you straight up that stuff like the farting doctor stuff shouldn't have been included because that was just being done for clout uh, just to kind of add on. And that was proven to be correct. Um, Obviously, any accusations of sexual assault or making people uncomfortable um, and, you know, things of that nature have to be taken seriously. I think they should be separated from some of the the, the, you know, the loan stuff and not paying people and the cooks and stuff like that. Like it's two separate things. None of that matters in regards to playing on Sunday. If you don't pay your chef, if you don't pay your, uh, you don't pay your, your personal trainer, that stuff is really irrelevant. You farting at the doctor's office. That's irrelevant. The relevant stuff is the things that are happening, uh, in regards to Antonio Brown and women, um, accusing him of being, um, at worst a rapist. Uh, on the low end side being inappropriate uh, around them. So you wonder, so what happened, you know, with the Patriots and everything? Let me tell you exactly what happened. So we know about the initial accusation. Um, I've talked about that. I found it hard to believe that uh, the NFL and teams didn't know about this because it was out there on the Internet for days before it became public. Uh, they were negotiating a, a settlement. She wanted $2 million. He didn't want to pay um, and all of that stuff. When he signed with the Patriots, all of these things come out. Obviously, they're not happy uh, about it, but they wasn't going to make a move. And frankly, the NFL uh, wasn't going to make a move anyway because there was no criminal charge and things of that nature. Uh, but here's the part that got Antonio Brown cut. Uh, now, you all know about the text messages, correct, that he sent the, the artist, the quote unquote starving artist, saying that she was broke, that she was lying, that she was groupie, one of his shady friends, the investigator. You saw all of those texts. The reason why those texts led to his release was because Antonio 
his lawyer, Drew Rosenhaus, had presented a very strong case to the Patriots uh, that he was being extorted, uh, that he was being extorted uh, uh, by the, the personal trainer. Uh, when the secondary story comes out about all of these different things, uh, same situation. He was being extorted that these people just wanted him for money, uh, that he had receipts, let's say, from this woman, other women, the people that were accusing him. He had receipts and he showed all of this to the Patriots and told the Patriots, hey, you know, this is a witch hunt that maybe certain people have uh, a vendetta against them. I mean, honestly, if, if, if you owe me money, I would, I would probably be talking to SI too. If Antonio Brown owed me $20,000, dollars $40,000, I'd be like, yeah, he fought it in my face too. So I get that part. But he had presented all of his evidence to show that these people were lying about you know, certain things. Uh, the accusations against them wasn't true. Now, I don't know if the Patriots believed him or didn't believe him, but what they did believe was that he had enough, I guess you would say, evidence to prove that it's a possibility. They only asked him to do one thing. They asked Antonio Brown to do one thing, and that was just don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't make any public comments. Don't release any statements. Don't do anything. Just keep the social media to about the field. Work hard. Don't do anything. First mistake he made, even though it, it proved to be correct, was he, he releases the DMs or text messages from the fart doctor. Once again, prove that the fart doctor was in it for clout, but Patriots told him, stay out of the news, don't trip off anything, don't say anything, show us your evidence, show the NFL your evidence, and everything will be fine, it'll blow up. Antonio Brown promised the Patriots that you didn't have to worry about anything, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to worry about anything else coming up. All of this stuff was from the past. Not, nothing is going to come up in the future. Nothing is going to come up in the present. Promise Bill Belichick. Promise Robert Kraft. Promise everyone. Say, just, we see your evidence. We see what's happening. We're going to stand by you. Just don't embarrass us. So what does AB do? Sends out the group text. Now, I don't know what AB was thinking. <laughs> like, if you sit, I don't know if you did it on accident. I'm not sure. You send a group text, and, and it almost seems like it was done on accident, that he was trying to send a text to his boy, to his lawyer, kind of explaining who this person was, and somehow her number or somebody's number that would leak the information uh, was on the chain. And that's what got him cut. It's not that the necessary that the Patriots uh, believe that he's done anything wrong. Is it that he broke their trust? The Patriots will stick with you all the way through murder. You know that. All the way through murder. If, honestly, listen, let's just tell the truth. If Ryan Hernandez would have been found not guilty, he might have been welcomed back. They stick all the way through you, but you have, they have to be able to trust you. That's big on Bill Belichick. And Antonio Brown is very similar with the Raiders. Well-liked by teammates. Tom Brady loved him. Just 
he can't help himself. All you have to do is just not say anything. Why would you? I I still unfathomable to me that you would include a person that just accused you and put them on a group test with text with your lawyer and your shady friends. It's like who does that? You can't even blame the Patriots for cutting them after that. Now I will say this. I will say this. This is not the end of Antonio Brown, and this maybe in the NFL, but not exactly with this case. Now that he's free of the Patriots, um, I would say be on the lookout for information uh, coming out to try to clear his name. The information is out there. I can tell you that 100%. But also, his actions... Like I said, he's, he, he's, he's shooting himself in the foot. He's shooting himself in the foot. He has, no, he has no one to blame for him being cut today except besides himself. If he doesn't send those text messages, he's still on the team. That's as simple as that. So you can't, I don't feel sorry for him. That, it was his choice. He decided to do that. But that's the part that they, you know, they won't tell you in the mainstream media. They'll tell you the part where, you know, the Patriots had enough and everything. But they won't tell you the part where some of the things that he's claiming in the text messages might actually be true. But because he's so dumb, he just couldn't let that stand on its own merits, (laughs) which he just had to let somebody know. That's the lesson to all of us. If you're watching, it's a lesson. Silence sometimes is the best policy. It really is. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Even if, even if the whole world is raining down on you, sometimes you need to, you know what I do? I just mute that tweet. I stay off of Instagram, whatever it is. I, you know, I, you know not, this is a, 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 a lot of lesser situation, not a serious situation, but you know, we did a story about Nicki Minaj and her rapist murdering husband. <laughs> And we did it, and the barbs got a hold of it. And trust me, I do viral stories and viral social media all the time. That tweet was hitting 50,000 likes. Thousands upon thousands of replies. And you can go down that rabbit hole, and you end up saying something that you you shouldn't say. You end up doing stuff that you shouldn't do instead of just, you know... Just hit that mute button and go about your day. And eventually, people move on because that's how it is. If Antonio Brown would have just, there's only so many pieces that people could have put out about Antonio Brown. They literally put out every single possible thing that we've been covering about Antonio Brown for the past three, four years in one piece. That was, I mean, I'm sure other stuff could have came up. But it's likely at a certain point people would have just gave up and moved on. Something else would have happened. You just got to be silent. Uh, what does it mean for AB now? Mm, he had a lot of people that were interested in him um, when he was cut by the Raiders. I don't think teams are going to be knocking at his door. But the crazy thing is, is that even with that one week, you still see how insanely talented he still is. 
So we have to see if uh, another team wants to take uh, a risk um, on him this year. But my advice to Antonio Brown, if he wants to play in the NFL again, is just be quiet. Take a break. Go to Cabo. Stop talking. Try to let some of this stuff blow over and then try to come back. I think it, it may be beneficial for him to take a few weeks off. And then when it gets closer, maybe to playoff time, then, you know, start making those calls because then teams are going to be, you know, a little more desperate for that. Really should take a page out of Tyreek Hill's situation. Tyreek Hill, you know, has a, has a much cloudier history with an actual arrest. And he didn't look good. When that, when that audio came out and, and, and Florio from Pro Football Talk said if, if Tyreek Hill plays in the NFL, he may not, you know, want to cover the NFL anymore, even though we knew that was a lie. And all these people were saying all these things about him and his social media was all like that. He could have lashed out. He could have did something. Could have wrote crazy DMs. Just stay silent. Just stay silent the entire time. And it worked out for him, regardless of what you feel about the case. So, A.B., stay quiet. The information may turn in your favor. But let your lawyer handle it. Let your agent handle it. You relax. Let your... That's what, that's what you pay the lawyers for. Let the lawyers figure out the best way to, to do this. So there it is from behind the scenes. Follow me on Twitter, at BSO, Facebook, uh, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSOTV. I'm out. <laughs>